it's Wednesday night here on Three Valleys Radio. And that means it's time for... Football Bloody Hell. Our guests tonight are, first of all, we've got Mr. Rick Hyatt. I'm here again. That's me, A.D. Hopper. Tony Pounder's here again to join us. And finally, Paul Thorpe. So let's sit down for an hour of football banter. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. My guests tonight are Tony Pounder. Good evening, sir. Paul Thorpe. Very good evening to you all. Ricky Hyatt. <coughs> evening, everyone. And me. Hello. Right then, let's get started, lads. Let's get started for an hour of football banter, eh? Well, I suppose we, we usually start with Yeovil, so why break the habit of a lifetime? Just because Hilda's not here, dealing with all these rampant, striking doctors, apparently, today. So uh, I'm sure it'll be in his element, but there we go. Um, yeah, so Yeovil got a point on Saturday. Uh, quite a good point, really. A fourth in the table, Chesterfield, and by all accounts, they played extremely well. Um, Yeovil, um, Paul, you, you got any thoughts on it? You, I know you didn't see the game, but you've been seeing them fairly recently, so... Uh, um, no, I think it. I, I thought it was a great draw. A great draw. I mean, like you say, they're they're, they're, you know, they're playing well. Um, you know, Chesterfield were like literally on a little bit of a, a bad run, weren't they? You know, and I thought they were vulnerable, but um, it's still a great point. You know, they played. You know, the last three games have, have all been against top opposition. Yeah. And actually, I think they they've done all right. You know, so I, I, I've been sort of like fairly excited for the future, really. I mean, if, if you know, hooker by crook, all we've got to do is, is stay up. You know, the owner I spoke to, um, uh, one of them the other day, and he sort of said, like, you know, all we've got to do, we've got plans for next year. You know, so all we've got to do is stay up. And, um, you know, hopefully that's happened. You know, um, the players that he's tried to get in are, are, are settling down. Um, we're seeing a little bit of light a little bit of improvement, and that's all we can ask for at the moment. And um, but I think they've done all right. I've been really quite pleased with what I've seen. Well, of course, the gap between them now is four points, I think, between uh, the bottom four and Yeovil. So that's uh, uh, a little bit of insurance, if you like. And uh, I presume it allows the players to play with a little less 
sort of anxiety. Would that be the case, you think, Tony? I mean, you're an ex-player. You know what it's like to be in those positions. Yeah, I think the club at the moment has got a feel-good factor about it um, for this takeover. There's certainly a buzz um, at the club. I think the whole town, you speak to supporters, there's a buzz going around, and that feeds down to the players. Mm. Um, and like you say, I, I was up there last Tuesday. Uh, excellent performance. They got a bit of shape about them now. Um, that's the most time this year I've seen crosses and actual shots going in the box. Yeah. Um, which is uh, being the biggest downfall with scoring goals. And But we haven't even looked like scoring goals, to be fair. And I think last Tuesday was... It's like... I don't know, it's like players, the whole club, it's like a weight's being lifted off the shoulder at the moment. And it just seems to be such a good feel up there. And and it's showing on the pitch as well, I think. And like I say, it was a great great result going. I think it was the ideal time to play Chesterfield. Uh, well, they won one in ten. Mm, uh, yeah. The home fans are on their back a bit. Um, Yeovil, obviously, coming off a good result last Tuesday. Um, so it's the perfect time to go and play them. Um, it's a bit like I think they're at Barnet tomorrow. They're on a, they're going the other way. Where hopefully Yeovil's on the up. Um, good time to go and play them. Um, and the whole, like I say, the whole thing in the club at the moment is going in the right direction. It's the first time you've been on tone since the takeover. Um, what are your feelings on it? On what you've read and what you've heard? Well, everything I've seen at the moment is positive for me. Um, the two owners have come out. They seem very enthusiastic with the club. Um, I know some people said we've seen this before, but um, they've got money to back themselves. Um, they're, they're asking all the right questions. They want to get involved in the community. They want to get the fans involved. He's obviously he's enabled uh, Mark to bring in players. So they're looking to that. I think, like Paul said earlier, that their aim this year is just to stay up. Mm. And I think then the owners will see how good they are. You know, like they said, they got plans for the stadium. It needs a revamp, and it does. It's looking very dated to me. Just a clean-up or something. Um, they can invest in the players so we can start attracting better players down here. Um, but like I said, I think we all know for the last two or three years, it's been quite doom and gloom. Mm. Um, we've been on a slippy slope. And I think if we wouldn't have got that investment uh, takeover in the last, Within the next month or two, I think. If I thought if we went down this year, I think that'd be us going part time, and that would be uh, a long road to getting back to where we were, the former glories. So I think it's come at the right time. But ideally, it would have been that earlier. I'd have liked it, but it seems to be the saviour, and I think I'm positive now that they can stay up um, and hopefully move forward. Well, uh, on Wednesday afternoon, as everybody knows, we uh, we record this on a Monday. Uh, I'm doing an interview with Matt Ugler, so uh, well, we'll have a better idea then as to some of his uh, intentions. But uh, he seems like a nice guy, and he certainly seems to have his his um, targets set and which way he wants to go, and that's definitely up. Rick, you haven't seen Yeovil for a couple of weeks, but uh, you've obviously been following them, and uh, you yeah. know another good result, really. Well, I think has Tone been listening to uh, the podcast just lately because it's a recap of everything we've been saying since the guys came in. You know, it's important, as we said, that they uh, the enthusiasm that they got for the place was matched with performances. And it does seem to have uh, to have been that way because it could have all fallen a bit flat. They come in with a great fanfare. But if the, uh, if the team hadn't performed and just lost those last couple of games, 
then it all could have gone a little bit flat. But to get four points out of the last two games, you'd have taken that beforehand. So, um, and like I said, Barnett looking a bit vulnerable and um, it's a good good opportunity to get some real distance between Yeovil and the, the bottom four if they get a result last night. But just the, just the players' performances, I mean, like, you know, Jordan Young playing as a, as a striker, you know, and he was holding the ball. He's not a big lad. He was holding the ball up really well. And I thought against Eastleigh, he was outstanding. Matty Worthington, I mean, really led from the front. Well, he was straight, missing, wasn't he? Wasn't he? He, was, he was missing on Saturday, Thorpe. So he's, you've got, uh, hopefully, you've got Matt to come back in as well. So that's only going to strengthen the side for the next time. Absolutely. You know, and um, I thought he, he totally deserved his goal. You know, the back line looked uh, solid. They really, um, uh, I think that was their, um, their striker. Um, it's really been on form. And um, you know, and and they 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 just had him in the pocket, really. Like they really kept him nice and quiet, and um, it was really really encouraging. And the fact that they, you know, it went for them one nil. We see in the past where the, you know it's been ninety first, ninety second, ninety third minute, and they've let a goal in and either lost the game or drawn the game. It didn't happen this time, and I think that's a little a little bit of a, a turn in the tide for for our season. And with that level of confidence just creeping in. Hopefully, like you say, Barnet a little bit vulnerable at the moment. I agree with you. Hopefully, they can get another positive result away from home, and then uh, and and then hopefully um, in the next few games secure our, our future at this level of football. Well, I hope you're right. But as a footballer, um, Paul, I mean, did you find when you were in a, a relegation situation that if you got a, a little gap like we've got four points, I mean, does that lift a lot of the anxiety, or do you still feel? threatened shall we say yeah i think you always feel threatened but certain certainly the fact that when you get a result you you, you always get a little bit of a buzz out of it of course you do it's all about winning football games and mm. uh, you know and, and when you you know when i first came to yoga I, I remember it was about well over a third of the way through the season and we only had six points and there was a huge gap you know already and then the fact that we took it right the way through to, I think it was to the second end game of the season, but unfortunately we just couldn't do it. You know, and it's a really bad feeling, you know, and I've, 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 I've never forgotten that feeling uh, because that was the first time I'd ever been relegated. Is that what I mean? It's, uh, mm. I've been fairly okay before that, um, you know, and um, it, it's, it, it stuck with me quite a lot. And, um, you know, that helped me in future... That helped me with the experiences when we weren't doing particularly well, um, of knowing how, in a way, we could actually get, you know, get get past it. Well, I don't want to turn this show into a, a political um, orange box, should we call it? But we can't exactly. You mean a soapbox? That's the you mean one. A soapbox, yeah. Orange box. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was close. What's, enough, what's an orange box? Got to what's an orange box? Yeah, yeah. Well, they got orange boxes at Speaker's <laughs> Corner, didn't you know that? Get off your orange box. Come on. Anyway, um, uh, uh, orange boxes. Um, but we can't ignore the, the Gary Lineker uh, situation exactly. Um, Rick, I'm sure you'll have something to say on this point. Uh, what, what did you make oh. of the whole the whole thing that's sort of transpired over the last three days, three, four days? It's confusing, <clears throat> isn't it, really? It's, yeah. uh, it's do two wrongs make a right? Uh, I think the BBC have had a massive climb down today whether anything develops between now and when the uh, pod goes out i'm not sure but they've virtually been forced to eat humble pie and um 
yeah, reinstate Gary Lineker and and everything. And quite rightly too. I mean, he's he's perfectly entitled to his opinion. It wasn't done on a BBC platform, and he is freelance. So I don't see what the what the main argument that the BBC had against him, other than the fact that most of the main hierarchy at the BBC are Tory donors and didn't yeah. like the fact that he was criticising a Tory policy. Mm. All of a sudden, what, that becomes I, a bad thing. Yeah, I think what's really interesting in this one is the um, is the level of support he's, he's uh, had, not only from his, uh, his fellow Match of the Day uh, pundits, but... Um, right across football and uh, other sports as well have been absolutely right behind him and uh, you know whether whether your views are you know whatever they are you know the fact of the matter is like you said he's he, he got freedom of speech in this country yeah sometimes people utilize that too much but um the fact that he, he, he's, he's done what he, he said what he said they've taken exception exception to it because you know, they say it's a, you know, it's a conservative policy and um you know, and they've taken him down, and, and rightfully so. The lads have, and everybody, lads and lasses, have got right behind him, and um, you know, and uh, showed their level of support for him. And because in the day, he does a great job, and he's he's entertaining. Um, he's yeah. been quite different with, with not not having any commentary or actually any uh, pundits talking about the football. Did you watch it? Yeah, I, I actually, I, actually I, I quite I quite liked it, and I think it, the the five hundred thousand people get watching it more. I think there was the inquisitiveness of it, of it all, but um, to see how they deal with it, yeah, yeah, just see how they deal with it. But um, but I, you know, I, I think it's very good the way they actually. I think I still would like more football to watch and and less about the uh, explaining of what's happening. But they all do a very good job of explaining what goes on to all the supporters. Do you not one think though that the one thing that made me laugh? One thing that made me laugh, I said, age is is all the ones. It's fair enough. Um, Righty and Shearer, who were going to be on the show, coming out in solidarity. But people that were not even going to be anywhere near it. I wasn't actually going to be on it, but if I were to be asked to be on it, then I wasn't going to. Uh, So uh, everyone desperate to um, get onto that particular bandwagon. But but do do you not think, Tone, do you not think that they could have... I mean, you know, I watched it mainly out of curiosity to see what sort of a a mess they could make of it, and... uh, you know, I mean, it was very short. I mean, it was, I don't know, probably less than five minutes for each game, which, uh, why? 20 I mean, minutes total, wasn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, they could have made each game longer, surely. Like, first of all, I need to check my Three Valleys contract because I don't want to be suspended in case. Oh, right. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Line. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just looking, I'm just checking page uh, 74. Check, hey, check print, Tony. Check yeah, I know. Uh, I've just checked and I don't want to be suspended for next week. But yeah. um, I actually watched it Sunday morning. I think it was 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm the opposite, but I couldn't stand it. I I didn't like it. I like I like the commentary. I like some of the players. Obviously, you know the main players, but there were some players who were like, who's that? Because like, there was no commentary. I didn't yeah. know who they were. Mm. And, and like, is that a pedal decision? Was that a handball? Sometimes you don't see it yourself. And it's the commentator that picks up on it. And I didn't, like I'm saying, I think what Paul said, there was uh, half a million more viewers or something. I think that was the inquisitive ones, just to see what it was like. Um, I didn't even, like I said, I had, uh, I was in bed having a cup of tea and I had the uh, BBC News on. 
Mm. And literally, after 10 minutes, I looked up and Matthew Dave's on. I didn't even realise. And it was because it was so silent. If, if you're one of those people that hasn't got Sky, though, for example, or, or a, a, yeah. fire, a fire stick or whatever, then you want to see your, your team play. So to go on and see... Uh, I mean, I suppose Liverpool were probably quite pleased that they weren't on for long, but um, but to go uh -huh. on and, to, and I just couldn't get, resist getting that one in. Uh, we've got to come to, <laughs> we've got they're a topic on the list yet, so don't worry. Um, no. But, but no, you know, I mean, to, to, to have less than five minutes of, of a game is is kind of well, what's the point? I mean, you might as well not have bothered at all, in, in my opinion. I don't know what you boys think about that. Also, um, the, the kids, children. I I grew up watching Match of the Day yeah. and stuff. And the commentators, like you say, you pick out names, you get to know players. Because there was no commentary, you didn't have a clue who was who, like I say, some of the youngsters. And they get to know that, like I say, if, well, I don't know, in our days, Canton, I did an overhead, like, in front of it. you'd be out in the street playing, but in Canton now, all of a sudden, you mm. knew, like, the big names obviously stand out, but the youngsters, they won't see that as names until they watch Match of Day, they keep hearing the same name, Kane, Kane scored, Kane's got a corner or something like that. Mm. So, for me, it was very different. And it just proves, and I say, how good the match of the day commentators are. Yeah, yeah. yeah we just probably we we've just lost the probably biggest legend ever, John Motson, bless him. Um, but they, I've been beside, I've been working with the sky, like beside BBC commentators, and you don't realise the the infrastructure they've set up before. They're there a couple hours before, and they have spreadsheets bigger than my bathroom. Like they know every little thing about every player because, like, John Motts used to put, pull out uh, uh, Gus Kane's 30th shot in the last three weeks or something. He's just got every stat going, mm. they're very, very good. And as Thorpey Wells know, and Rick and that commentating is actually hard. And when you're on your own commentating, it's even harder to keep talking and commentate yeah. as you go to fail 94 minutes is hard isn't it and like yes, say, you, you, you're all doing brilliantly like say on three valleys but you rub off on each other most of them are on their own commentating john motson's been on his own for years like you say doing it mm. but it's, mm. it is a very skillful job to do and i think i really missed that i must admit that you sat in Sunday. I think there's more of well, a tendency on Sky to have to have a, a commentator and a co-coms, but and, and I suppose you could say that Sky is the sort of the new face of football, isn't it? All right, it's a bit old now, but I mean, in comparison to the BBC's Match of the Day, it is anyway. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think Match of the Day were the only ones who used one. Com I remember growing up the FA Cup. Uh, David Coleman, remember him? Yeah, the FA yeah, Cup? yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic, but you wouldn't have a co-commentator with them at all. Nobody, no. but it's only, I think, like you say, literally, what was Sky, 91, 92, when it took over? They started introducing, well, Martin Tyler did it on his own for a bit, hmm. and then they started bringing in, like, uh, ex-players, pundits, Yeah, which I think works well, the same as, like, Thorpey does it, jumps in and out, stuff like that, it works brilliantly, because sometimes you might see something off the ball that the commentator hadn't seen, which is good, and there's, a, there's two... There's two brains better than one, like I say, but they're so good on much of the day of just doing it on their own, I think. Yes, absolutely. They certainly did, really. And, uh, of course, now, you know, you've got your... Every week, you've got your Gary Nevilles and your Jamie Carragher's and what have you, Graham Souness afterwards. It's a different ball game, isn't it, on on, uh, on Sky? 
to to the BBC, but uh, but nonetheless, it shows how good that the BBC has been and still is. And for those people, as I say, that haven't got Sky, they rely on Match of the Day. Well, that's that's the thing with Match of the Day. If you haven't got access to Sky, then it is the one. It's like a magazine program. It's got more background and more colour to the game and whatever. Because if you want to see the goals, if you just want to see the package that Match of the Day put out, you can see that catch up with that on the internet straight after kickoff but if you just want to sit there and watch the goals mm. but it is a magazine program and it's about opinions and about interviews and all that sort of stuff and without it it just shows you know that what it adds to the whole uh, weekend's fixtures when you, you notice it when you don't go and it also just shows that the government shouldn't take on uh, take on football should they well no but they got I mean, the bombers well and truly spanked i don't think well, well in the um do you think it's the well, government you know, that took them on or not i'm, I'm not sure yeah Hundred percent, because you look at some of the without getting overly political about it. Look at some of the things that Alan Sugars put on uh, Twitter and whatever, and it's virtually Tory Tory party campaigning. But that's not biased one way or another. That's allowed. As soon as you say something against the government, all of a sudden it's an issue. So it's definitely Mm. government led. Mm. Issue on the telly today about he basically was telling people to vote for Boris Johnson. Yeah, Alan Sugar. Well, but he's on a BBC, BBC programme, but Match of Day's not even political or news. So no. his news should be nothing. And I think, was it 28 MPs wrote to the BBC complaining? Mm-hmm. Um, Conservative MPs wrote, obviously, wise words. And Dave, I would have I loved Gary Lineker to turn around and tell him to stick I'm not coming back for like doing what he did. But I know he wouldn't because... It's Mr. BBC and it's the prestige of doing Match of the Day and everything. But I think they did, did a massive bombshell for me by um, just cutting him off like that straight away, uh, suspending it, him. It, um, it might be the 1.35 billion, of course, as well. That might have just slightly helped him to... Uh... He's already already had an offer to, to um, ITV where they said they would have trebled that. So yeah. it's not about well, Okay. BT was screaming for him, wasn't they? Apparently, yeah, he does. Absolutely. Does he do their? He does their European league, doesn't he? Yeah, he does he their Europe. He doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, but they apparently they've been screaming for him for a few years now to head their up their Saturday afternoon up. Um, and they were probably rubbing their hands this week, thinking we'll blow everyone out of the water here with the money offer. But it's yeah. not the like you say. It's the it's the prestige of doing matches. I bet, like you said. Every professional footballer come out in solidarity. The PFA, we're not going to do interviews in that. But every one of them, including myself and everything, has grown up on much of the day. Yeah. When he was a, uh, near the end of his career, he always he, he said right to the start, he says, I want to be you know, the, the, the face of match of the day. It was his ideal yeah. job. And he, you know, when he came, came out of football, literally... That's the job he wanted. So for him now to throw it away, I think it would be quite disappointing. I, and I, that, I think that's the reason why he hasn't taken up the other offers. Because and whether he does in the future, it's another thing. But you know, he always wanted to be the face of match of the day because he knew who, what he knew what big he, job it was. Who did he take over from? Des. Des Lynham. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, legends, all of them. Well, everyone from Jimmy O right through who's ever done Match of the Day has been legends, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. But of course, yeah, I suppose. Show. 
I suppose the fact that so many people came out in solidarity with him must have, you know, particularly scuppered the BBC's plans if they had any to somehow. I mean, it it sounds incredible that a huge organisation such as the BBC couldn't get somebody to come on there and do some commentary. Uh, and yet they couldn't for whatever reason now it sounds to me like most of them were saying well we're just doing we're not going to do it because of what you've done to Gary Lineker I'm surprised yeah. that somebody didn't grasp the nestle nonetheless though but, I think that's but has, exactly he actually, has he actually come out because the BBC's come out with a statement said it'll be about the weekend yeah but he's obviously he, he's put another has he actually come out now and said anything I don't think no, he, he has he, he, on, the, on the radio today was this thing that he said uh, that he said he's back on the weekend and he says he doesn't want to add any more than what he's already put on Twitter um, because it might uh, sort of feel like he's rubbing it in. But um, he's, he's put another he, tweet out, haven't he? I don't know what he's actually put on Twitter. He's put another tweet out, apparently. Hmm. I'd be read, interesting uh, to see what he's headlines. Headlines. I'll see if I can hmm. find it. I'm sure he's put another tweet out. The one thing I still find strange to understand, and, and yeah, I don't know, but, uh, you know, we're all inferring that it is government, but Gary Lineker is not stupid. He is an intelligent guy, and I'm just surprised that he, he, you know, he could have perhaps worded it better. But to, to word it the way that he did, I thought he worded it really cleverly. Everybody else has jumped on this whole Nazi thing. He never actually said anything about the Nazis at all. No, but, but what he said was factually correct. Well, it's guilt by association, though, isn't it? Really, that's that's the point. I mean. Uh... If you but, don't want to be accused of using the same language that 1930s Germany used, maybe not use the same language that 1930s Germany did. That might be your best answer, <laughs> rather than slaughtering a TV pundit. Hmm. Still, let's move on, because we've we've rinsed that one to death, I think. Um, Tone, you were talking to me earlier about um, a new <laughs> scheme that seems to be sweeping the southwest uh, like a hurricane for people that have got... Uh, perhaps mental um, health problems and also fitness problems. Just tell us a little bit more because this is a good opportunity to air it and maybe help them along their way a little way. Yeah, basically it's a, it's a good thing. It's just not mental health. It's people who's uh, struggling to cope, get out, uh, going about. So basically I went to uh, an old friend's wedding. You should play Bristol Rovers. I was at the evening do talking to a couple um, players and there's a lad who looks after our Bristol Rovers legends. Ex, um, we have celebrity golf days and charity matches. And he was on about, he goes to Gloucester Cricket Club and it's called Talkers and Walkers. And I said, oh, what's that? And um, <laughs> basically they go, they turn up at Gloucester Cricket Club, um, cup of tea, anyone's invited. It's basically, you know, if you're on your own or got, you know, you're elderly or you want to meet some friends. So they should meet up at 10 o'clock, have a cup of tea, and then they walk around the boundary, just mixing, meeting friends, chatting away. Uh, do that for about 45 minutes and they go back in afterwards. And then they have a guest speaker who does half hour chatting away about his career or they've had a lady up there in Bristol who knows all about the war and she was telling them about where the bunkers are in Bristol. Just basically somebody speaks and they have a great chat. They started off with, I think the first time they had it, they had 36 people now up to 128 now, I think. Uh, that was Gloucester. And Somerset started theirs last Tuesday. 
where they had Trago um, did a little speech and stuff. Um, and it's basically just a bit, if anyone's lonely or they've got mental health issues or Alzheimer's dementia, you want to take a partner out, get yourself out. It's just about meeting people, making feel people happy in the right environment, have a little walk. You don't have to walk. And we're trying to set something up down um, the overall cricket club because they got a pavilion. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Martin Curvo, he's associated with a cricket club and he wants to get involved. And we're looking to do something down there, uh, probably something in May. Um, and he's asked if he can interview me uh, for the first one. And we're going to um, hopefully must be desperate. push the bow out. So no, I did say that. <laughs> I did say that. It was a cross between me or Fat Harry. <laughs> you dug yourself out quickly there, old dog. I tell you. But it's just... Uh, well, we have to finish by 12, so flag counting Fat Harry out. Yeah. On, 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 yeah. on, 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 on. But it's, it's a feel-good factor. It's trying to get... It's trying to put a little bit of help back and help people who like... Just to get people out, talking and chatting. There's one... One's in Bristol. They've been doing it like so. The bait, I can't think of his name, but he's um, an ex wicketkeeper, Gloucester, and he's it's his company. He's done all this. They just want to feel good, get people out. And there's um, two chaps there who's been uh, walking around for the last four or five weeks. Anyway, they got talking. Well, they're the still going, are they? Didn't they get tired? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not if you're talking still. No. Probably why. No. They got, they got a chat each other as they're walking around and realised 52 years ago they went to school together and they're like inseparable now they're great friends and it's just people's come down like on their own like haven't been out of the house and that it's just it's just trying to do something but other people uh, just meet up friendships have a cup of tea so have a chat like if walk. if if, um, if anybody's listening and they fancy doing that well, I mean I'm thinking in particular of my cricket club at North Perra. They've got the ideal scenario there. They've got a pavilion there and they've got a lovely field to walk around. Um, who do they get in touch well, with to get the get the gem? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's called Talkers and Walkers. We will... Martin is obviously the clever one. He's doing everything on Facebook and Twitter. We're just finishing the posters now. Um, and the actual people who uh, organise this uh, Walkers and Talkers, they want to come down. So we are looking possibly at the... Tuesday the 9th of May to set this role in and hopefully we're going to see how it goes might be once a month they do it once every every week they do it on a Wednesday in Gloucester I think Somerset did theirs last week Tuesday they're looking at probably two or three times a month we said we'll do one a month see how it goes just to get people there it might be have an ex-mayor come down or something or talk or somebody who's worked in weapons all their life anybody like a Perfect one I said would be Johnny Clancy. Get him there, yeah. like I say, just just people like that have a chat, just to get people out and about. Like I say, so hopefully in the next couple of days there'll be something rolling out on Facebook, Twitter, and that, and we get it around. But it's called Walkers and Talkers, the company, and he wants to try and get one in every county in the country, or possibly more. But they've done cricket because he's obviously a wicketkeeper for Gloucester, but they're a great boundary where you can walk around for a 40 so minutes, maybe, maybe, minutes. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Tony, you could, uh, or Harry, we could get the link through to uh, Martin um, on, on the website. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, then, then there's a link for people to can contact Three Valleys, get the link, and then, and then, yeah. 
yeah. get in touch with them and yeah, then, so they can turn up on the day. He sent me over a poster today, he's getting the poster up, like I say, he's just getting all the bump uh, off of the Walks and Talkers website uh, to get all done. And next couple of days, when everything's finalised, like I say, we'll probably go into it and then see if we can make a few lives happier, you know, get some friends out, just a bit of fresh air, have a cup of tea and have yeah. a chat and, you know, just try say, and do our bit for the community. Yeah, I've got to say, Tony, it's a fabulous idea. It's a fabulous yeah, idea. Good. Well, we'll do our best to follow it through on um, on Three Valleys and we'll get something as soon as we can up on our website, which is www.threevalleysradio.com. So keep an eye on there and as soon as we've got the details from Monsieur Pounder, we will put it up there and hopefully we can get something going, uh, getting an additional one, maybe Kruker and North Perot or something, because certainly we've got the facilities to be able to do that quite easily. So uh, that's that one. So yeah. good. Thanks for that, Tone. Now then, Rick, no Thank you. this one's for you, old dog. Uh, over the weekend, you were known to be voicing your opinion about a certain referee, uh, Mr. Andre Mariner. I won't uh, let, the, let the punters know your particular feelings, but I've now seen close up Casemiro's tackle. Um, I don't know what to make of it, really. It looks horrendous, but uh, I take your point that his foot bounced off the ball before he went through, and I, I don't know. It, it's a it's a tricky one, but you, you know, you vent your spleen because I know what you felt about it earlier. Well, Casemiro has been sent off with a direct straight red card uh, twice in five hundred games. Two of those have been in the last three games, and they've both been as a consequence of the actions of Andre Mariner, who uh, is. The worst referee has been the worst referee in the Premier League for a while. Is abysmal, and you combine that with Anthony Taylor, and it's just an accident waiting to happen. Manchester United had asked Anthony Taylor not to referee or put in a complaint against him after his performance in the game against Aston Villa, where he moved the free kick back an extra yard so that Dina could score. It's, before, it's because he's local, it's almost as if he's going the extra mile not to appear biased. And what he's actually doing is penalising United. Those two together are just an absolute shocking combination. And they got everything wrong about those decisions. That's the sec the, um, the handball that was turned down for a penalty. Yeah. Was as bad as the handball in Europe. Basically, the ball rolled down his arm. and But because it's United, it gets... You can only think, and I don't. I hate to use the "oh, because it's United" thing, but it's just such a coincidence. It's these two, time and time again, whether it's subconsciously or whatever. There's clearly a bias against the club with those two, and they should never be allowed to. I wouldn't have them in charge of anything again, but certainly not games involving Manchester United because they're shocking. Andre Andre Mariner is an absolute disgrace, and that's it. I've said my piece now. Thank you. I'll have a sit down. All right, Tony, what do you oh, think? I am really. I've only seen a little bit on Twitter. Um, it does look bad, like you say. Um, and I understand a lot of people said the, the foot seems to bounce off the ball. Am I correct? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you got the top of the ball. And that, but it's, it, it's potentially a leg breaker. I'm a man you've had, like I say, and I think I'd like to back him, but I. I I don't know. I'm on the line at it. I must admit, I'd like to see it. Like I say, I've only seen it on Twitter. Um, been kept replaying on there. Mm. And it's a hard one, I think. 
Paul? Did he get well, did he sorry, did he get asked to or did he get asked to go and look at the video evidence? He gave a yellow and then his, yeah. his mate Mariner told him to go and have a look at the screen. And it was yeah. Mariner, sorry, was the, the, in the VAR. Yeah. Who incidentally, hang on a sec, Corpy, just before you come in on that, Andre Mariner, who had actually completely missed a worse foul than that in the, the Chelsea-Leicester game the previous day on um, Yao Felix, which was, again, a potential leg breaker. But he'd missed that one, but he, he made up for it the next day. Hmm. It's consistency, isn't it? Like you said, yeah, yeah. It, it it's a consistency, and he does. He, he is he is prone to uh, the odd mistake. All I will say is that the the laws of the game say that now that if you are your feet, your studs are showing, you're out of control, and your feet are, are off the ground, then it is a red card. And I, as soon as I saw that, um, I. I, I it, to me, it was a red. And when I saw it in slow motion, I didn't change my mind. I, I got to say, Rick, that that is a shocking tackle, and um, you got to see where where it is on the leg as well. It's, I know you said it bounced off the three. Yeah, I think if you look at where it is on on his leg as well, I mean that is an absolute leg breaker. And I I'm, and I think he's an amazing player. And I don't understand where this slight bit of crazy aggression comes because he doesn't need it in his game um you know you you've got um fernandez for that all that and um but it to me that was a leg breaker and uh i mean you take the pope situation with with newcastle he comes back into yeah. the side you know he does exactly the same again and they don't send him off i mean the consistency is just not there that's a particularly bad challenge for me and I, I, being a defender as well, if I, I saw myself do that, I think I'll get everything I, I deserve, really, and I'll just have to take it on the chin. That, to me, you know, listen, he's a fantastic footballer, and, and, and you need him in the side. Too true. I'm very, very annoyed seeing that type of tackle from him because he doesn't need to do it. And in the context of the actual game where it was, he didn't need to make that tackle. Because his other attributes uh, for Man United are, are frighteningly good, and he's a tremendous player. What age is Casemiro? Thirty, I think. Thirty. He's yeah. thirty. So you've got another three, three good years out of him. Um, the way he plays, maybe a little bit more. You know, his his um, his consistency um, has been fantastic. Um, but what you don't need is the consistency of getting red cards because he's had two real quick ones now. And that's that's not. I I don't think he needs that. But to, to be fair to him, though, he, he he didn't have. Did he have any Real Madrid in nine years or something? Not straight reds. No. Not straight reds. No. no. Whether that's whether that's sort of something to do with the VAR, who knows? I mean, he, he, maybe it's the pace of the game. Yeah, it's the right. pace of the game. You know, is is a damn sight faster in the Premier League than it is in La, La Liga. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Andre Mariner's never refereed in the league. Well. You've obviously got something on Andre Mariner, and and I and I I, I can't comment on that. But it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, listen, he is prone to an odd mistake, isn't he? And um, you know, and he and, and I think that the VR people are um, you know trying to work on that. But I got to say, in this incident, I think he's one hundred percent right. Then what? The thing is, it's like Ten Hag was saying, it's the consistency thing. I mean, yeah. you know more about that stuff that goes on the field than I do, Tom. 
um, Thorpe having 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 played. But it's yeah. the consistency. It's when you see other players say getting away, but not being punished for similar or worse transgressions, and then they come down to yeah. every year. That's what that's what's a bit galling. Absolutely, absolutely. And as as a fan, I totally get that. And you're dead right. Now, now they've got VAR, they need to use it correctly, and they still, to this day, haven't got it right. No, you know. I, I do believe, I do believe that, you know, we, we need to listen to the conversation of why he's, you know, uh, doing Dead something so, you know, yeah. because, you know, in every other sport we've got, we've got it in the cricket, we've got it in the, the rugby is just, got, they've got it absolutely perfect. And um, why we don't take, um, you know, uh, the referee inside of rugby and, and add that in the football, I just do not know, because they've actually got it nailed. You know, they will not have anybody talking back to them as well. And um, yep. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It would take time. And you probably hear quite a lot of bad language at the start. But if, if they, from that bad language, they start sending people off and whatnot, I think there would be a real culture change in football. And I think it could only be for the better. I mean, I was probably one of the worst at it, being around a referee, because that's what I was growing up as the culture was, was, was like then. And being now that I'm... A supporter and you know um, occasionally a, a pundit doing me, doing me commentary and whatnot. You know I'm on the other side of it now. You know and um, I, I'd like to see that side of it go because then we get more 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 playing time as well. Well, I've, I've been waiting for this one because you were off at the dentist last week, weren't you, Thorpey? So, oh, was I had a major problem. Yeah, yeah. So well, we had a major problem over the weekend, and of course you weren't there to take advantage <laughs> of it, which I thought was rather poetic, really. That you weren't there, but um, of course now oh, all us Man United supporters have been really laughing like drains for the last two days now that Bournemouth yeah. turned you over. So what have you got and to say I'm, about that? And, and, now, and now I've got flipping three of you on one. I mean, I've been yeah. cornered now, haven't I? Like so. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, they 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 played so well against um, uh, Man United, really uh, tramped them. At, they were on on form second half, amazing. A little bit like the old Jovel, uh, old Jovel, old Liverpool, and then they go and perform like they did against Bournemouth. Um, well, I just don't understand it. You know, it's frustrating. Um, I do think that we're. We're at that sort of crossroads, really, with a lot of players. Go on, rub and, uh, it in, Nick. Rub it in. I wonder why he was wearing that hat, and now I know why. <laughs> um, so, um, Great so, yeah, frustrating. But I did, I did call this at the start of the season when we were all talking about the way the season was going to go, and I was asked about Liverpool, and I did say I think they'll struggle this year. You know, I thought the Mane decision to get rid of him was was political. I don't, I don't understand why they they let him go. I thought. You know, when he, he'd become such a force in world football. And I do believe we should have kept him um, because of his work rate. I think that's been shown up. We have a, a, a additional um, decent players, but they need to settle in. You know, and then you've got the old boys that are doing really well, but they, they're, they're finding themselves half a yard short. Um, so I do think it needs a little bit of a revamp, you know. Mind and you. It's shown up because Van Dijk's form, Van Dijk's form has dipped. You know, he needs to sort of look at himself and get back to the form he's been doing. Having said that, Tone, uh, Paul rather, um, you can't really say that Mane has, has set the world on fire at, at uh, Bayern Munich, can you? Because he hasn't. Well, I've, I've, I've heard rumours he doesn't like it there. You know, mm. and, and, and would he would he come back? I mean, I don't know. But um, 
No, he hasn't set the world on fire. It's a different style of football, isn't it? And um, I, I think he, I think actually he's, he's probably missing. I would say he's probably missing the Premiership because when you when you're coming away from there's only one way that's down. You know, as far mm. as I'm concerned, because and I, I talk about the global product of the Premiership a lot. You know, the global product of the Premiership is awesome, right? You know, right around the world, people want to watch the Premiership, and uh, and the Championship ain't far beyond it. That's a fantastic, fantastic league as well, and um, very, very exciting towards the end of the season. But um, you know, I, I just think that um, yeah, it needs to change. He needs to have a little bit of a clear out. Um, there's players that need to go, and there's people who, who, who whose forms dip this season. Robinson, the left back, forms dip. Um, you know, uh, so there, there, there's, there's there's quite a lot to do at that uh, at the Liverpool Football Club. So, it is, though. So, don't, don't, don't you find that you know it's to be expected, um, Thorpe? Because very often in the in the game, once you've played your cup final, there is a little bit of a hangover sometimes, and the next <laughs> game is a little bit difficult. <laughs> Talking of coming Absolutely. down, Salah's penalty's come down. Yeah, has it landed? Oh dear me! Can't believe it. I mean, I, 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 I actually said to, I, I actually said to me, wife, said, if if I was the betting people, I'd be looking at that, thinking that's far too wide to be just a bad miss. You know that that's, that's, that's shocking. That was shocking. I mean, that was like literally two and a half foot wide mm. from twelve yards. Well, I, I personally, I personally unbalanced because he had too much cherry aid. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we, all, we all love a bit of uh, cherry coke, don't we? We love the cherry. Oh, oh, cherry God, aid. Dear cherry dear aid. Dear. It's got. Oh. I remember the seven up, but cherry aid's a lot more popular at the moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh dear. They tell me that seven up sales have completely completely collapsed now. So, uh, yeah, I think that was dead. A, a, a cherry coke. Yeah, mm, yeah. It's, brilliant. it's a cherry coat. It's very thirsty. Listen, listen, I'm quite happy to take it on the chin. And I'd actually like, Rick, if you would like to don the hat again, just uh, so the, the viewers uh, listen, he's got a Bournemouth uh, bobble hat, and I'd love to see it on him again. Lovely. Look very, go. very, very, very nice in it. I used to go down, actually, before they um, were taken over, back in the early 90s, when they were a real lower division team. I used to go down yeah. and watch Actually, quite a lot, so I got a bit of a soft spot for them. Yeah, actually, you're uh, donning a little bit of a Paul Warren style there, like with the beard and the uh, bubble hat, <laughs> right? So, uh... well, you know, there are worse looks. There are worse things you look like than Paul Warren. <laughs> uh, the aforementioned Paul Warren is coming on in the next couple of weeks again, so uh, keep your eyes oh, open for that one. Um, so, so looking at the situation in the Premiership as we do now, um, sort of double-ended question, really. First of all. Do you think this guy, Isaac, uh, that plays for Newcastle, is good enough to push them up into fourth place? And if they do, can they stay there? And what about Arsenal? Are they going to win the league or are City still going to get them? So, um, Tony, t you take it first. What about this Isaac bloke, Isaac or whatever his name is? Well, say him again. What was the question on that again, Isaac? Well, you're sleeping down there or something. <laughs> yeah, your questions do have that effect. Uh, I, he goes on to me, doesn't he? Tom? I'm sure I had a bit of tum I had tummy ache because I burped that cherry aid. <laughs> oh, a bit, oh, a bit gassy, well, put it down. As, oh, do you think that this guy, this Swedish guy, Isaac, can put Newcastle into the top four? 
No. Not consistent enough. So, um, if they get a couple injuries, Newcastle, they could struggle. Mm. Um, I Like I say, on their day, most people, um, up at their place as well, uh, with their crowd behind them, like I say, that's a gold start for me. Uh, the atmosphere, they go on top, but I don't think... They're going to get if they get an injury, like I said, they haven't got the squad. And I think Man United, they've still got Man City and uh, Man City and Arsenal. That's the top two. There's Man United, Tottenham, Liverpool, Newcastle, possibly Brighton. So, can I see Newcastle beating Man U, Liverpool, and Tottenham to two spaces? I'd say no for me. Um, basically, I think. But, too inconsistent, and if they get any injuries. So, what about Liverpool then, Paul? Can Liverpool get in the top four? Oh, I think it's. I think it's looking dodgy at the moment. Mm. Um, I think it's looking dodgy, and they do need that time. But they've got to have a hell of a run. They've only played. They've played 26, 26 games. Got forty-two points. Newcastle are in the strong position. Got twenty-five games, forty-four points. Because Tottenham have played twenty-seven. On forty-eight, um, I think I think uh, I think the top three are. I'm going to say it are already there. I know it's close, uh, Tottenham. You know, but you know, Man United got an extra game. They've only played twenty-six, got fifty points, and um, but I think that I've got to say I think they've got enough in their squad and the momentum to stay in that third position. And um, as, as much as it galls me to say it. Um, I think Liverpool are struggling, and um, they're, they're consistent. They're not consistent enough. They've had too many changes, too many injuries. It's just a bad season, and um, you know, a bad season to see themselves in sixth position. I think Newcastle uh, are the ones who could, if they stay, keep their players fit and away from suspensions, that they could possibly, um, if they get a run going, you know, take that take that fourth spot. Okay, um, Rick. What do you think? It's one of those seasons, isn't it? It doesn't seem like anyone wants to finish. There's one a few years back involving United and Arsenal and Spurs, I think, for the the last Champions League place, and none of them seem to be able to get a run together. I agree with the fellows. It's, it's Newcastle's to uh, to throw away, I think, given the games they've got in hand. But yeah, uh, difficult. Spurs. The one thing that's kept Spurs in it is as dreadful as they have been in a lot of games, is they don't draw many fixtures. Yeah. So if they're yeah. beating the teams that are, the, the games that they, the games that they're, they're not losing, they're winning, if that makes sense, then, you know, they're getting three points every time. So, I don't know. I, I like to think it's going to be Spurs or Newcastle, but it could be either one. T- Tony's dead right, really. I mean, like Tottenham, uh, sorry, Newcastle, uh, is that guy big enough to, to sort of push them into that, into that full spot? You know, that's that that remains to be seen. I, they they at some point with all this money need to start almost like doing a Kevin Keegan and buying big players. Hmm. Um, and is he is he the man to do that? I mean, you know, uh, he's, he's he's built a, a fantastic squad, um, and you know, and uh, our good old friend at the back, you know, who's, who's, who's playing, you know. Uh, He's he's done a fantastic. He's probably been their best signing, old bun. But he's they need to start signing big. They haven't got 
a world-class striker. And their squad, need the players in their first team now need to become squad players and they need to start pushing for better players in, in, in a lot of their positions. And mainly in that striker area, they could probably have a complete new strike force, really, with the money that they need to start generating to sort of like um, to get those type of players in. You not think though that they've got one eye on the the Manchester City situation because if the way City has spent and it's got no no foundation in financial fair play, if they get their bums spanked because of that, then Newcastle obviously don't want to put themselves in the same situation. So they're probably playing a bit cautiously for now. No, absolutely. And and we talked about this uh, I think a week or two ago. And I think that the, the big thing for me for Newcastle is that their global products, their name, needs to be expanded into Asia and India and, you know, and, and, and United Arab Emirates and Qatar, you know, places that, well, Qatar, because there's not only a small place really, but you know what I mean? They need to get yeah. their global products going and the shirt sales going, you know, and all these tours going so that they can start generating that type of money that they need to, to be able to then say, actually, we are still going in with the fair play rules because uh, that's going to be important. Or they go, we don't give a shit. You know, we'll spend it anyway and take the fine. Talking well, of this, this, this money issue, on, on boys. Um, well, yeah. if if Manchester City are going to be punished, I mean, um, we don't know what's going to happen yet. But do you that's not right, think so. that it's wrong that it takes so long? Whether they're innocent or guilty, surely it must be to their advantage to either have the the stigma of this lifted from them because they're innocent, or B, they know exactly what they're going to get done for. Well, the, thing, the difference with this one and the European one was they could do this in the European one. They prolonged it and prolonged it and prolonged it, and then the time frame went out of kilter, as it were, and so they couldn't be punished for it anymore. But there's no time limit on the Premier League one. And also, you've got to bear, bear in mind, Manchester City have got more, more money behind them than the Premier League. So yeah. they can afford the best legal advice and whatever. Yeah. So it's got to be cast iron. It's got to be spot on. And they'll they'll wang it on for as long as they possibly can. Of course they will. Because 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 sooner or later the FA will probably turn around or the Premier League will probably turn around and go actually, let's just get on with it. Hmm. You know because th this is going to take another five years and we haven't got that type of resources that they have and you know so will they probably get away with it? Probably. You know, but it's not something I'd like to see in football because One you know, no team should be bigger than the league, should they? No, of course not. But one other thing that's interesting is uh, the best coach that the world has ever seen. Once again, um, never managed the team where he's had financial restrictions at all. And then there's the question of Barcelona paying referees during Guardiola's time there. Oh, so really? His reputation, he's, he's never won anything actually legitimately by the looks of it. Everywhere he's gone, there's been... Uh, question marks asked about the legitimacy of his team's performances now. I would love to see these top managers take over a smaller club and see how they get yeah. on. Yeah. Your Mourinho's, yeah. Pep, Tolop, go down and when you think of when you think of the financial restrictions that they'd have to be faced with, whereas at City or wherever now it's just money's no object because they just don't think about it, do they? But they can buy they can buy the way out they can buy the way out of trouble, can't they? Yeah. They're having yeah. a bad time, they can buy yeah. the go and get like the players they want. But when you're see I I always think all right, they're fantastic managers in that. But I think the managers like say turn from the bottom, go and work and 
let me see what you're working on a budget of one million a year or something like that. Let's see how yeah. good you actually are tactically and stuff. Because they just they're walking the jobs in. It's rightly so. They they are top managers, but they're walking. If Pep left Man City tomorrow, everyone would be after him. Klopp, yeah. they're walking straight into other jobs. The top three or four, easily work up. Well, Marino's done it all the time, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Doing it, done fantastic. He's doing fantastic at Roma again, apparently. But they they've never been in a club which they've had to. Well, hang on a minute, we're going to have to sell that player to bring in this player. That's what I call management when they're wheeling and dealing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're I, dead that, right. You're dead right. Just very quick, just very quickly. I, that, that's where I really admire um, an old playing colleague of mine in the, in the under 16s Welsh side, like um, Mark Hughes, because he's gone down to Bradford City, you know, and um, you know he, he's got them into a fairly decent. I mean, letting or into running away with it, but they're in sixth place, and um, that's no easy task going down to like lower level football and. Uh, like you say, trying to like work with your budget, trying to get players in, maybe getting some loan players in, and um, you know he's obviously doing a decent job there. And it's it might, might have been desperation though, Paul. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he it, couldn't couldn't get a job anywhere else, so he ended up going to Bradford. I don't know. Well, I don't know what the draw was. I don't know, you know, what happened for him to actually be there. But um, the fact that he's actually gone down to, um, you know, League Two football. Uh, Bradford City. So, listen, he could. I think he definitely could have got at least a championship job, but he hasn't. He's gone down to level two, you know, and he's he's um, working hard, you know, uh, with the squad there, and um, and he's doing a decent job there as well. And he cost me nearly two hundred quid on Saturday by drawing with Bruin Newport, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't go down too well. <laughs> but anyway, you better check, um, you better check your. Free Valley's contract in case you're betting against the rules. Yeah, well, I'm talking about betting on football. Um, just one, one last thing. Um, is Ivan Tony the penalty king to end all penalty kings? I mean, he see. He, I don't think I, I right. I think I right said he hasn't missed a penalty. Um, yes, missed. Has he? Has he? Oh, is he? When was that? Very early on in his career. One of the first ones he took, he missed. Yeah. Uh, must have been practising then. I, I, <laughs> well, certainly he could teach Mohamed Salah how to do a take a penalty. That's for certain. <laughs> um, but no, what do you think? He, I mean, he, is, he, is he that good? Well, he, I watched him uh, take it the other day. He says that he keeps it, he? We yeah. had a player for Sarovas, Carl Saunders, used to practice in training, and he literally, identical, used to run for me. He had a little bit of a longer run up, 18 yard box. Run in and just literally stared at the keeper, yeah. and he would he wait for the keeper to move or something, and you can switch your angles of your right or left foot straight away to just. And he used to just stroke stroke him, just stroll him into the goal, because if a keeper don't move, the time you side foot, he's not going to get down and get it. Mm. It was so. It's a very good technique, and I used to practice him in like training, and it, it's very good, and that. But the, the only trouble is obviously in the corner flag. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much for that input, Mohammed. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again next week. But in the meantime, unfortunately, lads, we've run out of time. So, uh, Rick, thanks for joining us again. Uh, Not a problem. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. And Absolutely Tony, pleasure. of course, is glad to get you off the uh, golf course and on holiday and wherever else you go these days. So, uh, um, thank you for joining us, old dog. A pleasure. <laughs> Oh. Is that it? Have you finished now or what? <laughs> you sounded like you just switched your microphone off in midstream. It's been a pleasure. Uh, sorry, the 
Gary Aid is bloody making me burpee at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh. I'm having real serious problems with it. I can't have any more. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure and it's great chatting up everyone again and good catch up with Rick as well and everything. It was okay. Good. Well, Cheers, thank bro. you very much to everybody. Uh, it's been another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And please join us again next week. Same time, same station. And don't forget, on Saturday, we'll have full match commentary of Yelvertown against FC Halifax with Sci-Fire and I don't know who else, but somebody else. So please join us then. <laughs> Uh, I know it's not Tony Thorpe because uh, Paul Thorpe because he can't be bothered to go all the way to Halifax. So there we go. Thank you and for listening. I'm in Spain. Oh well, again? <laughs> oh God. Hopeless. I know it's hard. Yeah. Senior Thorpe. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Goodbye for now. Uh-huh.